Hey there, everybody. Meteorologist Dave Turley here, and I'm joined, as always, by meteorologist Andrew Gordon for another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. Andrew, today, today. is Thursday, April 7th, and thankfully, all that storminess is over. Yeah, you know, it was a, uh, a long week for a lot of people, and thankfully now we're to the point where things have cleared up and we can clean up for those that need it and uh, for everybody else you get to enjoy the sunshine yeah and it was quite an active week here tuesday wednesday both days uh producing tornadoes mm-hmm. across the area um and and damage uh, uh, but uh it was just something we don't normally see we're going to go talk a little bit today about what happened here tuesday and wednesday and then we'll talk touch a little bit about uh, the nicer weather we have coming up here. So yeah, Tuesday, whoo, that was already outlooked for our area to be a very active day. And it's something we saw on Tuesday that we don't normally see, especially for our particular area. And that was that hatched area for tornadoes. Yeah. And that's whenever you just kind of have that extra sense of caution, because you know that for tornadoes specifically, it's not just a a better risk that you have it within that highlighted area, but there's a better risk that those tornadoes then will be of a stronger caliber uh, EF2 or higher. And unfortunately, we did see that confirmed. You know, you never want to to have a forecast like that confirm if we could, you know, miss it or, or, you know, have a bust for any day. You want it to be for a day that we're saying that there is potential, you know, strong and just vigorous tornadoes but we did have at least one and that was over in bryan county yeah and that was uh, a very intense uh tornado we definitely had the one in bryan county national weather service again we're recording this thursday afternoon i'm saying that because the national weather service went out and they did their preliminary surveys of the damage and right now what they've told us is it's at least an ef3 tornado damage for that particular area in Bryan County. They're going to put out their complete survey here, hopefully maybe sometime later today, tomorrow, uh, but we'll have more information on that once it's released. Now, there was also one in Allendale on Thursday, and the National Weather Service did their preliminary investigation, said that was also an EF3 damaged tornado in that region, and they're going to put out, again, their final summary um, that survey to tell us basically how long the storm was, the tornado was on the ground, how wide it was, its maximum uh, winds at a certain time. So we're going to get more information as we go along, but we know we had at least two EF3 tornadoes in our area on Tuesday. Yeah, and the EF scale is, you know, different from, you know, when I was growing up and you just had the Fujita scale. Now it's enhanced Fujita, and what they do is they're going to look at different variables of what kind of damage happens to a structure of a certain type at a certain wind speed. So another way to say that is it takes into account um, more variables than just the F scale did. Uh, So there's a wind speed rating to a tornado, of course, and the EF scale has 28 what they call damage indicators, such as a building type, structures, trees. And for each of these damage indicators, there are then eight degrees on top of that of damage degrees of damage, as we call it, ranging from uh, beginning to be visible to complete destruction. So the F scale or the original Fujita scale did not take any of these into account. So for the National Weather Service to go out to Bryan County, specifically Pembroke yesterday that we know for sure, um, and to say preliminary you know, rating of this would be an EF3, that means that the wind speed 
they saw a damage consistent of wind of at least 136 miles an hour. Right, and you mentioned that they're going to have different criteria. They're going to look at how the the home was built. Like, was it a mobile home? Was it a concrete slab home? Was it a barn? You know, was it a, an overhang? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And they can determine roughly how well built that is, and they can determine what the winds are going. What type of tree? How thick was the tree mm-hmm. that was ter- blown over, or snapped, or what have you? Yeah, and there's a lot that that go into this because you could have a weak tree or a tree that has thinner wood or a shallower root system versus another. So a tree type is going to be one of these indicators. Also, you could have two buildings that look the same, but one of them maybe was constructed worse. One of them could have had, you know, poor craftsmanship put into it. So these are not easy ratings. A lot of people maybe get frustrated saying, well, why is it taking so long for this to be put out? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. They want to be thorough. And also want to note, similar to hurricanes here, where we'll put a category of a hurricane on a storm based on where the strongest wind is, it does not mean that entire path of the storm is that strength. So for hurricanes, you're getting the strongest wind in the eye wall right there as you get close to, to the eye itself. But that entire system is not at, you know, say, for example, you, you get a drop sun in there at 125 miles an hour, that entire storm is not producing 125 mile an hour wind, but you're going to get categorized by that. Same with these tornadoes. They found EF3 damage, but it doesn't mean, say, for example, this storm was, the tornado was on the ground for 10 miles or 20. I don't know exactly what they're going to come up with because they could say it came up, came down, whatever. But it does not mean that you had 160 or 136 mile an hour wind that entire length. You're going to have a very detailed rating of maybe whenever it just touched down, it was an EF1. A mile down the road, it was an EF2. It went back down to an EF1. It hopped. It came back down as an EF3. So we'll classify it as its highest wind speed, but that entire length of the tornado itself was not, and it will not be an EF3 because it's not going to have been that strong the entire time. And especially when storms lift, usually if you look at a path while they rate it from point A to point B, it's weakest at the beginning when it's just touching down and weakest when it's lifting so that it would progressively go down to EF210 as it's lifting. So it gets complicated, but yeah. it, it's it, it's complicated and it's not. And a lot of things which was interesting about this particular tornado is a lot of times we'll have a tornado warning and it looks like there's a tornado. People think it's a tornado, uh, but, you know, we don't really have a lot of proof. You know, we see some damage, but the damage from that that could either also be caused by straight line winds. Yeah. The one in Bryan County, I don't remember ever seeing as many videos of the actual tornado. I mean, this thing crossed over I-16. There were so many people parked on it. Yeah. Well, there's a tornado. I mean, there's proof. There's a the proof you need. We can all see it's a tornado. And it would look pretty large as it was crossing over I-16. Yeah, and to, to have that, uh, I guess, visible of a funnel in this part of the country is rare. You know, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast before. So usually... In our part of the country, we have high precipitation supercells. And with that, that means even if you do get a tornado, you're going to have a lot of rain with that high precipitation. And then you have the funnel that is inside of this rain-wrapped just huge mass. It just looks like a downpour, and you don't actually see the funnel itself. This was different. This came down. There wasn't a lot of rain incorporated right next to the storm itself, and it was just visible as as night and day and it was probably the most visible tornado that i've seen since i've been here and as as you said definitely most photographed most photographed and a lot of people were out you know this it was 
thankful that no, nobody was hurt on I-16 because this was a busy time of the day during the work week where people could see it. You got to be kind of silly to just keep driving into it. But, you know, a lot of people were out and about. That's why you hope that their phones went off, whether it's the WTOC weather app or the emergency alert system or whatever. Something. Hopefully that, that saves some people because uh, people were up and at them. It, it's not like it was the middle of the night. And this was a rather long storm that we were following. We originally started to follow this when it was moving out of the Baxley, the Alma area. Uh, and then once it moved into Tattnall County, I think that's when it first went warned for tornado warning. And it really started to gain intensity here uh, as it moved out of Evans County and then moved right into western Bryan County over the Pembroke area. And I had a little video. I saved it of our reflectivity loop, yeah. you know, again, which measures where the, the rain is. It doesn't measure the wind in there. But it had that classic hook echo that you can see developing right over Pembroke, move right down the Lanier area into the Black Creek area. You can see it crossing over I-16 and mm. then moved into the Eden area into Effingham County before it kind of became a little bit more muddled in there as far as the reflectivity goes. But you can see where that big hail core was. Mm -hmm. uh, we had reports of two to three. I'll probably say I saw some bit photos there, maybe three-inch hailstones. Yeah, I know officially um, for the weather service, which just means that whether it was an emergency official or uh, or somebody that just lived there reported the weather service, that two-inch hail was the highest official report. It definitely had right. hail bigger than that. And going back a quick point back to when we were talking about a hatched risk, that isn't just for EF2 or greater tornado. It goes for long track as well, and that is what we saw with this. Whether it was on the ground the entire time or not, it was a tornado that came from the same storm right. that wasn't a different storm that produced this they cycle through but it was the same storm and that same storm continued uh, it went through effingham county that was warned through effingham it was warned through jasper county and into buford county we didn't get any reports of any type of uh damage from a tornado in those areas we did have some winds d uh, down i believe near the port royal area uh in buford county too because it's right off the broad river and there's not a lot of uh structure to stop wind coming right over the river there and i think it intensified again uh in the colleton county up towards the charleston area that same storm so it had rotation with it in the storm might not have been producing a tornado the entire time but it was a long-lived rotating storm yeah and it's uh you know not what you want to see and hopefully we don't have to deal with that for a while of course it kind of gives you flashbacks to covering hampton county for us, that was uh, Cutter and I covered that in the morning, so that was that was difficult. You hope that people have a way to be woken up. But if there is any sort of pro to this versus a con, it's that most people are awake during yes. this time frame in which the storm was happening. And that one in Allendale too, we were tracking that, um, and the debris ball on that, the correlation coefficient, you can see is like, oh my goodness, this is definitely producing. It. And it was just amazing to see the velocity, and you can pick out exactly where this tornado was as it moved into Allendale and then right up across parts of uh, the Hampton County area. Yeah, uh, yeah, even very saw, active. It was very active. And to add on to that point, we even saw um, Emanuel County had a report of a possible tornado. Um, kind of went down uh, 80 there. So Weather Service will go out and, and check that out, which is technically out of our viewing area. That was... Yesterday, that Wednesday. was yesterday. So yes. we, we are skipping ahead, uh, just piggybacking off of possible tornadoes. 
going then to Emanuel County off of 80. Um, didn't go right into downtown, but it looked like a roof got destroyed. Some trees were messed up. There were some. There was two actually rotating. Yeah, ones there was. The, there was one that that set up a little bit further off to the west, uh, up so. to the, up to the, the north. Because I was doing my Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and we were we were tracking those. I did it on Facebook Live because technically Emanuel County is not our immediate viewing right. area. It's the Augusta TV market, exactly. So it's Augusta Market. I know some people might watch us, but technically it's not our immediate viewing area. So, but I wanted to do something. So we were on Facebook Live, and we were, we were giving you a weather update, tracking it along. And you can see two well-defined, quick little spin-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, one started near the Adrian area. The other one was up near the Kite area, just kind of north of that. And then you start to see the breeze signature with both of those and the correlation coefficient. And, uh, yeah, so I think this was a pretty good indication that there were tornadoes two of them at least yeah and then you know going into wednesday we had um another day of an enhanced risk wasn't hatched so you had a great chance of severe weather but maybe not as strong of that severe weather parameter and um i went out to uh to bryan county Uh, we were trying to meet up with the weather service to see what they were looking at firsthand and it was crazy to see that kind of damage you know i've seen tornado damage before but for everybody, you know, usually you only have to experience that once, and everybody was, you could kind of tell, just still processing, I think is a good way to say it. And everybody was very, very kind for for the situation they were just put through, and, and people were just helping however they could. And, and it's these shining moments that gives you a little bit of faith back in humanity to see people coming in there. There were um, crews that had come in from Jacksonville. I know that doesn't seem like it's that far away, but still kind of nice that people came up there just because they wanted to help. And of course the governor was out there and um, he was talking to folks and you just hope that they get what they need to, to help out. And I'm sure they will or do be helped out. And I, I just think talking with a few families, cause you never want to be the person that's going in and just bothering people when they're cleaning up. Yeah. That's, that's tough, but you, you also want to hear people's stories and how uh, we can improve as, as weather communicators. And um, everyone was you know in their safe spot that we heard of and or if they weren't they were calling they were out of town they were calling their kids were at home or whatever and it's um it's just good that it wasn't as it it was worse because some of the homes um you know as an ef3 tornado they're not built there are very few homes built to withstand strong tornadoes that give a direct hit to you so for us to have the situation that we did with injuries um i i know it could have been worse it could have been a lot worse. Unfortunately, we did have one confirmed death yep. uh, and several under other injuries. But as you mentioned, at least in EF3, we'll get the final estimation, at least in EF3, uh, and only one unfortunate injury or death from that. Yeah. That is that is amazing to see, and we're very thankful that that was all that we had. But we're also thankful that, that those storms last night, Wednesday night, um, were severe. We talked about the tornadoes that they produced in Emanuel County. They weakened as far as rotation go, but they had a lot of strong winds. So we had severe thunderstorm warnings as that line continued all the way down into the uh, Statesboro area, into the, all of Effingham County. We had a, a lot of wind gusts with that, along with locally heavy rain, some hail reported yeah. in there as well. And then the storm's weak. We never officially had a, a severe thunderstorm warning for Chatham uh, County uh, last night. But there was a lot of damage. I mean, we had a 40-mile-an-hour wind gust at the airport, and there was probably something higher embedded in there. We had some trees down over Garden City, the Bloomingdale area. Garden City definitely got the worst of the Chatham County portion of the storm. Um, 
we had a Mariah was out there this morning. She was shown, you know, multiple instances of trees that fell in some, unfortunately, fell in homes, and that was that was tough to to see because some of those people did not have insurance. So that's just rough, and that's a risky take. But to to your point, talking about the wind gusts, we only have official weather stations in so many spots. So the airport, almost fifty near Tybee, I saw fifty five. So in between there, you have to think that you had close to severe winds, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and just think of how many times we have these severe thunderstorm warnings that we actually never get a confirmation that you had a wind gust close to 60. Right. So because you just kind of have to hope the the strongest part of a storm goes right over a certified weather station kind of thing. So uh, I definitely would say that there were probably severe wind gusts at least in there. It's easy to see with how big these trees were. And you don't know. I'm not a a tree person, so I can't look at them and say if a tree was completely healthy or not. Right. But, the root system, how was it? Was yeah, it healthy? Yeah. But still, it was, um, you know, you don't want to see it. And I think it's a nice, I don't know the last time in a spring setup that we had so little of a rain chance in an extended forecast. Oh, we were looking, yeah, looking ahead. Looking ahead. Uh, the rain is out. The cold front's moving off the coast as we speak, as we're recording this. So the rain is over. And we are dry leading into our weekend and mm-hmm. the next week. And not much. I don't really see anything. It's cold front maybe by the end of next week. Maybe Friday. I think late Friday. So that would be over a week from now. Eight days yeah. from recording. This is, I would say, our next best chance of rain. That would be, you know, maybe some people have to either Friday night plans next week. But right. that's a little ways off. And before we get there, uh, a lot of people were enjoying. We had our warmest temperature of the year yesterday, 87 degrees. Okay. But we could be talking about some 30s in the I inland know. area Sunday morning. Flipping it. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to impact uh, gardeners out there. I don't, we're not expecting a freeze. No. But 30s, I mean, that will slow things down just a little bit. Yeah, and I think from doing our past research here, I don't know all of these dates and numbers off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'm pretty sure the latest freeze Savannah's ever had is on the 16th of April. So it's not the craziest thing to say, oh, well, Savannah might get down to 40. And Statesboro might get down to 36 or something like that. But uh, because by that point this weekend, I think the coldest is looking like Sunday morning maybe will be lower 40s for Savannah, yeah. some 30s inland. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely if you're up early or you gotta, you're gotta going to church, you got to walk the dog or whatever, you'll notice it's not really feeling like April. But to to that, you know, the, the other side of it, um, these cold fronts, that air does not stick around too long this time of the year. You get a southerly wind, things warm back up real quick, and Tuesday, Wednesday, we're back in the lower 80s. Yeah, so our coolest, we're probably not getting out of the 60s. The coolest time is the high pressures building in. It'll be Saturday afternoon. We're not getting out of the 60s, but we'll have sunshine. It'll be a little breezy, breezy too. Yeah. yeah, on Saturday. So it'll give you that extra cool feel. Mm-hmm. And then we drop back into the upper 30s, low 40s Sunday. But then we're back in the low 70s Sunday afternoon with That's 80s perfect. expected for a, a lot of next week. Yeah, I'm interested in next weekend's beach forecast because, you know, we've gone through this spring break mode and I feel like something has happened on the weekends where you haven't had a full great beach weekend over here. Now we're getting some coworkers, people in the peanut gallery, you know, in our ear saying, oh, well, it's sunny, but now it's, you know, windy and it's not going to be warm for the beach. And I'm like, hey, it's April. It's April. You know, it's not, <laughs> we got, you know, five, six months of beach weather here. And I, I would be out there, I promise you. I said it this morning. I was like, you know what? If it was nicer, I would. Be out there with you guys, uh, all the viewers, but um, not going to be a beach weekend. No, and the water, the beach water temperature is still only 66. That's, that's kind of cool. 
So, I mean, we're not technically in the beach season yet, but even a lot of people like to go. And this is usually getting into more of the time where I like, it's my favorite time, before all the tourists start to come in yep. and the beach is still kind of quiet, but the temperatures are warm just like you would expect to see. You know, as we get into the end of April and into May, that you get a lot of that weather coming up. Yeah, and then uh, coming up, what is it, the end of May where they have the Beach Bum Parade, and that's kind of Tybee's farewell to, you know, just as a local's beach. And then everyone is in for a few months. And then we look forward. We'll kind of touch on this. Yeah, just a little, a little teaser. That. We don't want to burn ourselves out on this either. Yeah, we had something released out there today that uh, Colorado State normally does every single year. Yep. So let's see what they had out there for this year. So they, I know it sounds weird to hear it from Colorado State, but you can have very intelligent, uh, you know, meteorologists, top people in our profession work for any university. One of them happens to work for Colorado State that has a good meteorology program. So that's why they do this study. They do this forecast. And they came out with their numbers for number of name storms, hurricanes, and which of those, how many they think would be major hurricanes this year. So on average, we'll just go by averages. And this is over the last 30 years. Climate data is usually over the last, you know, 30. It's at least a couple of decades. I'm an average. So tropical storms are named systems on average 14, seven hurricanes, three of those major hurricanes. This, Dave, is the seventh year in a row now that Colorado State and their preseason forecast has predicted an above average um, season. And and that's going right along with it here again with 19 named storms for their forecast, nine hurricanes, and then four of those nine becoming major. And again, this is an outlook for the entire Atlantic Basin, which includes the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Caribbean Sea, or Caribbean, however you want to say it. So it doesn't mean that we're going to see an above-average season here Mm -hmm. locally, but it only takes one storm. My always example that I go to, and I believe is when Hurricane Andrew. um, August of 92. Yeah, and that was a very, very low uh, activity season didn't really have much. I believe Andrew was back uh, the, when that started. That was the A storm in was that August? It was August. Yeah, our first the first storm wasn't until August. We didn't have a lot of activity, but one of the storms happened to be Hurricane Andrew, which caused all that uh, devastation in southern areas of Florida. Yeah, South Florida definitely took a toll. So, uh, or got a toll taken on it. And hopefully, you know, we just there's no true way to know. I mean, you look at patterns. You look at if it's a La Nina, El Nino, and, and this and that, and, and you want to make as accurate a forecast as you can. But when it comes to the end, the end of the day, these storms are going to form, and within you know five to seven days, we'll have a decent idea. Within two to three days, we'll have a better idea. People are already asking us, you know, as in co-anchors, asking me specifically. I'll speak for myself. Hey, do you think it's going to be a you know an above average year for us? And uh, like, oh, I've got that question. There's no, we don't uh, know. I have no idea. Like, there's like, I'm not going to pretend to be smarter than I am, and no. nobody, nobody does know. There's I, there's a reason there are betting odds every year on how many storms there will actually be because if it was a shoe in, nobody would gamble on it because he wouldn't make money. Yeah, just I, comparing it that way. There's not a way to know. We could tell you there's a favorable setup for it, and it not happen. We could tell you water's too cold, too much shear. Then you have a storm out there that goes and produces. 
So yeah, and it's all about what's happening right at that time when that storm could be moving off that little uh, circulation, moving off the coast of Africa. What's ahead of it at that time when it's going through it? So the most of the summer season might not be you know uh, favorable for something to develop, but hey, there might be a small window of opportunity as that mm-hmm. little spin is moving through for a system to grow, and it takes advantage of that. So the, you just you just don't know. I'm gonna come up with an analogy in my head, and I'm tired, so maybe this will work, maybe it won't. But it's like imagine these tropical waves coming off of the west coast of Africa. It's kind of like they're leaving the coast to travel across the ocean and head towards the general direction of the United States. That's like us leaving our house every day. Should take us a, a certain amount of time to get there. Some days you get there quicker. Some days. You hit construction, you hit roadblocks, you hit an accident that you can't get around. So you can have a projected time where you set your GPS and it's like, all right, you're going to get there in 15, 20 minutes. And it might take you twice that, three times that, or you might get there quicker. Like there's no, you know, you can have a good idea of what these storms are going to do, but there are those things that are unforeseen that you just cannot predict yet. Especially this far out. Yeah. (laughs) No, there's, we're only in April folks. There's no way to even tell you if a storm would, I mean, we could probably tell there's nothing going to happen within the next two or three weeks, but you you go back to the past few Mays and we've had name systems. I was going to say that. I know you talked with somebody last year from somewhere in the hurricane world of the idea of even moving hurricane season up from June 1st. Well, if you look at all the different uh, locations in across the, the, the globe, we're in the Atlantic Basin. We have other areas here. If we go on the West Coast, you're more on to the, what you call the Eastern Pacific. And then you have the Central Pacific, and then you have the Western Pacific. Each one of those is a totally different area. And they also have different hurricane names, storm names, they're not called hurricanes as you get further out in the western pacific and they have a different time of when their hurricane season is our hurricane season here goes from june 1st to the end of november but it actually starts on the uh, on the west coast there in the eastern pacific that is going to be i believe it's mid-may and there were some discussions of hey i think the last six or seven years whatever it was that we've had a storm beginning before june 1st in the month of may or even some of them was before Yep. Uh, maybe they were talking about extending the hurricane season to go into the middle of May. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I've not heard anything else on that. So maybe if it I happens, maybe if it happens this year, then next year they, they instate that, you know, it's, it's just a national hurricane center thing. They, or maybe it's the world meteorological association that says the official start date, but I don't know what goes into change that, but it was just interesting that it was even being talked about. Yeah, so. and, and it just really all just coincides with as you're warming things up, one of the main ingredients you need is warm ocean water temperatures. That's the fuel for the storms. That's why a lot of the storms will form over the equatorial area mm-hmm. or just north of it, really, uh, in the warmer waters. But as they go further north latitude in the colder waters of the North Atlantic, they tend to lose steam. A lot of times you don't have as much as the energy to be working with. It's like turning the, the burner down on the stove and, you know, you're not your food's not going to cook as fast. Right. So it's still going to stay warm, still going to produce, but it's not going to be as hot. So something to think about as we get closer to that. Let's... Uh, Let's wrap it up for today. Good I think we talked me. about a lot we sure did. in here. We've had a lot of activity going this week, but thankfully I think uh, Andrew and I and the rest of the weather team are going to take a little breather. A little, yeah, we've got a light at the end of the tunnel. Relax a little bit. A light at the end of the tunnel, and it is sunshine and not the light of a train coming at us. That's exactly So we'll right. take it. On that note, thank you for joining us for another edition of the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. <laughs>